0: Welcome to the Dharma Spring. I'll bring in these words from Zhuangzi again, and then dive into them a bit more. Um, A sage steers by the bright light of confusion and doubt. In this way, rather than relying on your own distinctions, you dwell in the ordinary, This is called illumination. Understanding that abides in the unknowable is realization. And never understanding where it all comes from, that is called inward radiance. Hmm. So I'd shared before my initial ah, at meeting these words. And then in the past days, I've been hearing that from some other people as well. This, for me, it's a relief and I can relax, you know, dwell in the ordinary, be who you are. Um, Someone else talked about having permission to be who, to just be this, whatever's happening, especially because it starts with that confusion and doubt. For me, something that already intimate, familiar, and experienced on a somewhat regular basis, doubt, confusion. Um, I think in another translation, chaos is used instead of confusion. And sometimes the world seems chaotic, yeah? And so to look out upon the world and maybe see chaos, confusion, to look within and experience confusion and doubt, and then to hear Zhuangzi saying well that's what stages sages steer by for one it says oh so sages didn't get rid of their confusion and doubt and didn't try to settle chaos they allowed that to be in their experience then I can take that further well I've got confusion and doubt and I see chaos maybe I'm a sage (laughs) um or certainly the potential to be a sage if I can embrace that experience of steering by the bright light of that confusion and doubt and chaos. But then it's about, as it's come up in our explorations, what light is there in that confusion and doubt? How is it there to explore that and discover it or, I don't know, rediscover it or undo what keeps me from discovering it. And I'll explore that a bit more later, but so that's the other, the rub It's like, okay, I've got confusion and doubt. So where's the light? Yeah. Where's this light he's speaking of. Um, but another thing I appreciate about the relaxing that this invites is how it connects with the sayings and the teachings we hear Regularly in Zen and Buddhism, maybe a bit more in Zen-like traditions of just as you are, you are a Buddha, you are awake. Your very activities are the activities of awakening. Just realize this. We have Banke, a Japanese teacher who... um, all he taught was the unborn. Just realize the unborn of your own mind. You don't need to do meditation practice. You don't need to study right here and now. Just realize the unborn. And you will wake up. And it's interesting that he advocated for that and said you don't need to do all this strenuous practice, but he did a lot of strenuous practice before he advocated that. So yeah, take it with the reality of it. Yeah. But Again and again, that thing of just as you are is it. And I think while looking at my experience in some of these Zen ways that it comes forward, it's kind of pretty sparse there. Just as you are is it, but it doesn't really give me, how am I supposed to find that then? (laughs) You know, it doesn't feel like it. That's why I came to this practice. That's why I'm looking. It doesn't feel like just as I am is it. that's kind of, uh, the whole offering is maybe that contradiction and that tension. But these words of Zhuangzi kind of give a little bit of just relax, just as you are. It's saying the same thing, but giving a gateway, an entryway. Abide in the ordinary. And then it brings up ordinary experiences, ordinary qualities of experience that I have and says, yeah, that's it. So saying the same thing, but with a little more cushion, a little more support or encouragement, it seems. Um, and I think that happens in the course of one's practice too, naturally. I remember you know, in retreats years ago, having this, um, being inspired by, you can realize just as you are is it and uh, trying really hard to realize that <laughs> in a meditation retreat or just in meditation itself, feeling like I'm almost on the edge of realizing it. If I just push harder, if I just, you know, buckle down and see it, it'll just crack open and I'll know it. And it never quite cracked open <laughs> that, that path. Um, I was reminded of those, you know, those magic eye picture of things that were popular a couple of decades ago, maybe still, where it just looks all gobbledygook. But if you stare at it long enough and in the right way, all of a sudden a 3D image pops out and you're like, ah. That experience of meditation and trying to realize my true nature is it was like being at that point where you feel like your eyes are about to adjust, but they just don't quite do it. <laughs> it's like almost, almost. Um, but it never went pop like that 3D image. So, but that was interesting to notice that that connection, that rhyme of experience. Hmm. And then I think just because of bumping up against that over and over, eventually that tension and that energy there began to wear something down. And I think. I, mean, I can't say clearly i'd never decided i'm just going to relax but i think the relaxing and the opening up just started happening of itself and my meditations were less about i need to break through and see something and it kind of happened subtly it wasn't like i said it wasn't a decision i made not a boom and an aha things were just wearing down that way of being that way of trying to do something so that i looking at that or considering that it wasn't like suddenly ah now i see it the experience is more of now i'm not not seeing it yeah instead of focusing on what isn't it and trying to get rid of that that thing that wasn't it or isn't it just became part of the field of the experience Therefore, it's part of it, yeah? (laughs) So what I appreciated, it didn't require me to actually have a clear seeing of ah, now I see my true nature, now I understand. I just had to stop not understanding and stop making my not understanding into an issue that needed to be tackled and overcome. So to relax in the ordinary, allow that it's hard to see and difficult to realize, and that's it. That is the experience, yeah, To open up the field to include all things more and more over time it keeps happening. Yeah. Another thing that came to mind, considering this is among the buddhisms, I kind of have noticed two different schools of thought when it comes to your inherent Buddha nature. Um, some buddhisms will speak of it as a seed within you that you nourish and water and tend to for lifetimes even, you know, over and over you tend to this and eventually that seed will grow and your Buddha nature will burst forth. So it's dormant, but it needs to be, you know, tended to, cared for, brought forth. Then you have Buddhism's in the more of the Zen spirit of it's already fully formed. It's just a matter of seeing it and letting it be. You don't have to um, wait lifetimes. Boom, right here and now it exists. And it's more about discovering what gets in the way of realizing that, yeah. So when I was thinking about those two streams of thought this morning, they combined into maybe what we're nurturing in either path, Certainly, both of those paths happen in a single path. We're nurturing something, and there's something to be realized immediately. It's not either or, both and. Yeah, but maybe in this tradition, in this way, what we're nurturing is our seeing that's the seed that we're growing our ability to see and to open up our capacity to be in touch with. Yeah, so it's the Buddha nature is already there, our inherent awakened nature, purely there already, our ability to recognize it, see it, is what we grow and nurture. I wonder. Because then it comes down to, I don't actually see it as much as I see what was getting in the way of my seeing it. Yeah? (laughs) So maybe the ability to see isn't like I've gotten all of a sudden awakening goggles so I can see awakening everywhere. I just become more aware of the obstacles, the hindrances, the things that I do that get in the way of it showing itself clearly. Even that word showing itself clearly is an obstacle (laughs) because then it has to, if it's not, if I don't see it clearly, then it must not be there. That could be the story I tell myself, right? So that's another amusing there about this being in touch with this inherent awakening that we are. I'm going to come back around to that obstacle thing and looking at those, but I want to also speak about the other natural organic thing that's spoken of in this, these words from Zhuangzi, is that light that's inherent. Yeah. Dwelling in the ordinary illumination. There's inherently light in what you are, who you are in just this here. Yeah. And then... The understanding within the unknowable realization, another another form of light. Yeah, real light. It's real. It's alive. Understanding even though it's not known and pinned down and specific. And then the never understanding where it all comes from. Um, and thus, not having a recipe or a formula to get to it, nor being able to maintain it and uphold it and keep it in my presence, in my grasp. Well, that's the inward radiance. That's light too, yeah? The fact that I can't get a hold of it, can't trace it, can't pin it down. It's all light. And again, it's the light of our ordinary being, the ordinary way of all things that we don't have to do anything about because it's already there inherently. So these bring in... Um, a few words from others. First, I want to bring in this poem from Ryokan that it was almost the cut. It almost made the cut for the koan of the week, this poem. But then it wasn't quite. Yeah, I was relying on my own distinctions <laughs> and came across Zhuangzi. But this poem to me speaks um, speaks a lot. You know, afterwards, I looked at the poem again. It's like, well, it's kind of what's being said here with Zhuangzi. Um... So he says in the entire 10 quarters of the buddha land there is only one vehicle when we see clearly there is no difference in all the teachings what is there to lose what is there to gain if we gain something it was there from the beginning if we lose anything it is hidden nearby look at the ball in the sleeve of my robe Surely it has great value. (laughs) I really like the part about if we gain something, well, it was there the whole time. It's not like it came from another realm, suddenly arrived in our life. It was here the whole time. Much like uh, what Drongs is saying. And if we lose anything, it's hidden nearby, which is great. It's like, well, we may have lost it, but it's not far, it's nearby. Maybe we just dropped it on the ground. Yeah, so our losing things don't get sucked away into some other realm and some vacuum of space. It's nearby, just hidden, and we'll discover it again. And then this thing about the ball in the sleeve of his robe. You know, the Japanese robes and Chinese robes have really long sleeves and you can keep stuff in them. I found that out. I went to a talk by Daido Luri Roshi once up in Boulder and he had a bit of a cold And so in the middle of the talk, he reached into his robe and pulled out a Kleenex. (laughs) And he he was like, yeah, I keep stuff in that. These are like pockets, these extra things. And Ryokan happened to have a ball in his sleeve. Um, He would often wander to the village and hang out with the villagers, play with the children and stuff, so he had a ball in his sleeve. But what I love about it is all he had to do to grab that ball was just drop his hand and reach inside, and there it was. And that's kind of what I think he's saying about this Buddha nature, this light. This uh, awakening of ours. Just reach your hand down right into what you have. There it is. And whatever it is you touch, whether it's a ball or confusion and doubt or clarity and joy, that's it. That's the value, isn't it? Asks Ryokan. Um, Yeah. The other things that came to mind were Lin G, who talks about the solitary brightness that is you, that knows how to listen to the teachings and express the teachings. Elsewhere he says, have confidence in your own light. Shine it upon everything that comes. Trust in this light of yours. And then we have young men who says, everybody has a light inside, yeah? But when we look for it, it's hard to see it. It's dark and hidden. But what is this light? It's the kitchen pantry and the front gate, you know, your ordinary life. That's the light, the things you're experiencing here and now. And then the last poem I want to, or words from others I want to offer is, the thing that happens, this happened on Monday after we met, or maybe before, but considering the these words of Drangza, then wandering through Facebook land as I do, and I have a few Dharma and Buddhist sites there, or pages that I like. And these words came forward, and this is by Tilopa, who was a Tibetan teacher, the first of the Kagyu lineage. And he speaks about, well, this is what he says. Obsessive use of meditative disciplines or perennial study of scripture and philosophy will never bring forth this wonderful realization this truth which is natural to awareness because the mind that desperately desires to reach another realm or level of experience inadvertently ignores the basic light that constitutes all experience yeah so in a little more pointed way, in a wordy way, he's still saying there's light in basic experience of all things. And if you're trying hard to see it, you're inadvertently obstructing it. Yeah. So it's good to have somebody from another tradition jump in and join the conversation of our exploration this week. Yeah. Um, But that searching for trying to use the practice uh, to studying things as a means of getting to something, to me is um, that bit from Zhuangzi about relying on my own distinctions. And that's a part I particularly appreciate of this, um, this collection of words from Zhuangzi because apart from that, he's saying, just be who you are, relax, it's right here. And that can be a difficult thing as we, have I've I've been talking about and we know for ourselves, but here he gives us, and here's a way you might work with things. Here's something you can do is not rely on your own distinctions or, you know, be aware of the distinctions I'm making, the definitions I have, the rules I'm making, the expectations, all of that. And maybe not let them be the primary way I'm engaging with things, the the filters or the gateways through which I'm trying, that I'm in constructing and building. And I'm telling myself I need to pass through these in order to, you know, to be aware of those. I appreciate he, does, he doesn't say, don't have distinctions. Just says, don't rely on them. You're going to have them. You're going to make it, distinctions. You're going to have stories and ideas of how to do it and what it looks like but don't rely upon those. Lean back, rely upon maybe something that natural, ordinary way, that bigger field from which you are arising in which these distinctions are arising. Yeah. Reminds me of um, in our sutras, in the afternoon readings from Shito, when it says, don't limit yourself to your own small story. It doesn't say get rid of your stories and stop making stories. We humans are story makers and storytellers. It's saying, tell your stories, be aware of your stories and don't limit yourself to them. There's a greater field beneath them and beyond them that includes them, but you don't have to let those stories be the whole of it, yeah? And those stories range from what I need to be and what I need to do and how it's supposed to be and what others say it's like and how to get there to who i am and what's right and what's wrong and all of that you know stories abound everywhere and that was another relief to to meet words like that Cause i think there was there there is a period when we try to stop telling these stories because we realize they become hindrances that seeing that allows us to see the obstacles we see our stories our definitions and the things that we have created so then we tell a story i have to get rid of those (laughs) and that's a struggle because they keep generating and they they persist so then these words come and invite a relaxation of it's okay to have stories that's what you do just don't limit yourself to them yeah so then my energy can go ah I don't have to battle against myself for being who I am and doing what I do. I can allow those stories to fall more deeply into the territory of me too. And I can understand them in a different way, yeah? So that seeing that is nourished helps me be aware of the stories and the distinctions and the obstacles that I create. And there's light in that. There's light in the stories, yeah. (laughs) Inward Radiance. <clears throat> hmm. So the last words from others <laughs> that drifted in this morning, from the Avet brothers, uh, a current band, North Carolina, I think they're from, they have a song called down with the shine. And it says, the the chorus is down with the shine, the perfect shine that poisons the well and ruins my mind. I get took for a ride every time, down with the glistening shine. And to me, that's the story we have about the light, the story that The light is a certain way and it has to be bright because it's a light, you know, that it's glistening, that it shines. So the Ava brothers are saying to me, well, down with the shine of it because light comes in many different forms, yeah? Light is dim. Light is fractured at times. And light comes at different angles at different times. And the absence of light itself or the absence of brightness is still a form of light, right? So this down with the shine to me is like, instead of getting rid of my stories, it's like, what if I expand my stories to include darkness as a form of the light, confusion and chaos as a form of light? My ordinary ways of being, my stumbling about and not getting it, well, that's the light too. What if I add those stories into the mix of stories I have and not limit myself to them either. It really does a great generosity to the light, giving it freedom and a wider space to journey along through and show itself. So by not limiting my stories about the light, I'm not limiting the light itself to being a certain way. And then at the bottom of it all, well, that light itself, it's me, it's you. Unlimited, wide, open, free, just as you are. Yeah. Thank you for listening. For more about Andrew Palmer and his teachings, please visit bowandroar.com and look for him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.